0: Cracken Fancast, presented by Silver City Brewery. The podcast for Seattle Kraken
1: fans, by Seattle Kraken fans.
2: Release the Kraken!
1: Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of Kraken Fancast, brought to you by Silver City Brewery. I'm your host, Chris Porter. I'll be joined momentarily by my colleagues Jim Cockrell and Nathan Gunderson for our regular hockey talk discussion. We'll also have our colleague Luke Chelios on later for another edition of Chelios Chatter. Kraken Fan Cast releases episodes approximately every two weeks with occasional added special editions here and there. On uh, our episodes, we, of course, discuss all subject matter about the National Hockey League's newest team, the Seattle Kraken. On our program, we share, share news about the team, analyze their play, and go over various team news. We'll occasionally present interviews with people involved with the team as well as the fan community. Plus, we also aim to go into some different subject matter You might not hear on other Kraken related podcasts. Uh, We'd also uh, like to uh, start off today by acknowledging our very kind and generous sponsors, particularly our presenting sponsor Silver City Brewery, located in Bremerton with their beer sold throughout the state of Washington and beyond. Beer for one, beer for all, Silver City is an all-inclusive Northwest craft beer adventure in every pint. Also big thanks to the Angry Beaver, Seattle's number one hockey-themed bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. And we'd like to thank our newest sponsor, Mojito, serving the best Latin American and Cuban food in the Seattle area, bringing together amazing food and amazing people. Mojito works to enrich our community. Check them out at mojitoseattle.com. All right. Since our last recording, a bunch of games happened. And uh, the first one that happened right after our last uh, episode, they played the crack in that is played an absolutely electric and hard-fought game against the Edmonton Oilers. It was a game that gave us a lot of pride. Connor McDavid's debut in Seattle was really cool and fun to see him and Leon Dreisidel, among others. Uh, And maybe just for me personally, maybe one of the funnest games to be at so far this season. It was just so intense. The crowd was so loud. It was a meaningful game. And um, Kraken won a tight one, four to three against the Oilers. Uh, at that point, they had won four out of six at that point. And it seemed like they were back on track after a really ugly slide. But then, haha, reality hit them in the face hard a few days later as the Pittsburgh Penguins embarrassed, and I mean really embarrassed Seattle by the score of six to one in, at home. It made it worse that it was it was a home game in my mind and I think many others, and it, uh, it felt like the Kraken just were never really in it, especially Philip Grubauer, oh my God, who was, who was pulled after three pretty quick goals against him in the first period. So that was ugly. Things didn't get much better for the next one. They played uh, Winnipeg three days later and they suffered their first shutout loss of their existence, Jets winning that one three to nothing. Next game was a weird one that at least gave us some confidence back Gave the team some confidence, uh, I think. Uh, after getting down four to one against the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Kraken amazingly came roaring back in the third period with three goals to tie the game and send it into overtime. It was amazing. Eventually, they lost it in OT, so second OT loss of theirs uh, to Columbus, the final score being five to four. But at least Seattle was able to pick up one point in the standings and. Show some interesting life there. So it was an interesting game and maybe help propel them a little bit for the next game uh, that just happened right before our taping uh, game down in San Jose. Uh, Take on division rivals, the San Jose Sharks. And despite missing players, uh, key players at the COVID protocol, due to COVID protocol, The whole Kraken team looked really solid throughout the game. Uh, They almost pulled out the team's first shutout win, but the Sharks, unfortunately, got one late in the third period to make it uh, a little bit tense there in the end. But uh, with an empty netter near the end of the game, uh, thanks to Kelly Yarnkrock on that one, uh, the Kraken came away with an impressive 3-1 win. Also, big kudos to Ryan Donato and Brandon Tenev Tenev for the other goals and uh, excellent goaltending that night by Chris Drieger. Got to say, it was really excellent. So as it stands as we speak today, the team is at the bottom of the Pacific Division. Bummer. But they still show life. Not consistently enough, though, unfortunately. And uh, Gene, Nathan, I'll, I'll start with you. You know, it seemed like the team figured out there at one point how to minimize defensive collapses, and, and the goaltenders were, seemed to be stepping up to another level. But then they fell back a step. Uh, at, at some games that were home games, you, where we didn't really expect that. Um, while we can arguably keep giving them that pass that, oh, they're an expansion team and it takes time, et cetera, et cetera, uh, it can't help but be frustrating for the fans as well as, I'm sure, the people around the team. What are your thoughts on all of that?
3: Yeah, guys, let's let's talk about goaltending and defense here for a couple of minutes. That game you were talking about against Pittsburgh. Grubauer allowed three goals on four shots. That's just not good. They had to bring in Decord. He had to try to stop the bleeding and allowed another three goals. Just couldn't get it done. He doesn't get a lot of time to play against NHL caliber players. Not saying he can't handle his own, but they put him in and just, just didn't happen. Couldn't make it happen. You're expecting to put him in and You've got a team in front of you that's already allowed a few goals. I'm not saying that they already felt like they gave up, but they were tired. They were ran up and down that ice the entire game. That did not help. Not a good one. Uh, you know, moving on with a 3-0 loss. Grubauer did look good. First two periods, he only allowed one goal. And then just kind of a slippery slope there, fighting, battling. Again, just couldn't get it done. Decent game against Columbus. But moving on to that San Jose game, I liked everything about it. The skating was fantastic. The goaltending was top-notch. Scored some goals. Passing, everybody just played as a team. I'm talking everybody on every line did their job, did exactly what they needed to to come away with a W. I was extremely impressed with that game. I would really like it, win or lose, if we could at least replicate that game in the way they put in the effort, the way they methodically just went up and down that ice, knowing what the objective was. I'd be happy. Goaltending, you know, I was on the Grubauer train. I'm still a fan, but at the beginning... I was excited, like everybody else was, because that was our our guy, our starting goaltender for our brand new team. He got to put on that jersey, and he was our guy. It, the, the starts just started to get a little worse and worse, and inconsistency. There were some wins, but there was a lot of losses, and that gets frustrating. You, you start. Losing faith a little, I guess, and I'm not being a pessimist. I'm sure some people think that I get a little too hard on, on the team, on our losses, but I guess somebody has to. I don't know what's said in the locker room, if anything at all, because sometimes it seems like nothing changes. But I'll tell you when it does change, not 100% of the time, but when you put Dreger in, it's a different type of hockey game. I don't know why. But they are two totally different goaltenders with different styles, different focus, and that spreads to the players in front of them. Again, I don't know why that is, but for me, as a spectator, when Chris Drieger is in the net, I see a different hockey team completely. It's refreshing when he's in the net because you don't really know what's going to happen, Unfortunately, with Grubauer, you almost kind of know what's probably going to happen. As sad as that sounds, I would like that to change. We need solid goaltending from both of them. If it's not going to happen, Grubauer, I don't know know if you're going to be around all five years. I don't know how that really works, but something's got to give. I do like Decord. I want to see him get a little bit more time up here. There's not a lot of room for him, if any, right now with uh, Drieger being off the IR but in my opinion goaltending has got to polish up the defense same thing I don't know what it is I don't know what's more frustrating the goaltending or watching some defensemen just letting plays go by I've seen it so have you guys I know they're human I know they get tired But damn it, you're you're professional hockey players. You are top-notch, the best in the world. You need to perform the best that you can. And when you're standing at that blue line just watching plays go by, that's crap. And I'm getting kind of tired of seeing it. I don't play for them. I'd play for free if I could. Those guys would probably run circles around me, but... It's easy to pick it apart when you're sitting here at home on your couch watching it or when you're in the stands watching it, paying good money to see it. People didn't pay good money to see loss after loss after loss. People paid good money to see a team hopefully win, and if they lose, they lose trying. And sometimes I feel like they're just, I wouldn't say giving up, but they're not giving it their full potential. That's apparent. I'm not the only one that feels that way. I want to see them succeed. I want to see them at least get to 500 hockey. If they could get to 500 hockey, that would be really, really swell. I don't know. That's that's my two cents on it. And Take from it what you will. Let's get some wins. Let's move forward. Let's have a plan of attack for later in the season. Because it can't continue like this, that's for sure.
1: All right, well, well, Jim, let's let's go over to you now. Let let us let, look back at those games. I I just did a recap on. Uh, let's go over some of the significant moments uh, of those games and just just your overall thoughts on it.
0: Sure, how you doing? Uh, I'll tell you that Oilers game, like you said, man. Uh, I'll mirror your thought. That was probably the funnest game to the point so far that I've been to, and it, it was just. The, the The crowd was off the hook. The volume was up. It was just good, and I can remember. You know, I've never seen Connor McDavid play, uh, and I've been looking forward to it. And I was doing a lot of ISO on him, and <laughs> I remember telling you when we got our tickets that the one benefit about being at shoot twice for the visitor is we get to see all the superstars roll through the town and and do a little study. That was a joy. I'll tell you, we played him well. We boxed him out pretty good. He had some production as did Dreisaitl, uh, but I was very impressed with the overall boxing out of him. Uh, it, there was a few panic moments for me as I was looking, but for the most part, I was impressed totally with the, the defensive zone coverage, the neutralized play was good, uh, and the, the overall offensive zone work, and the forecheck was nice too. Um, pretty even game statistically. I thought Adam Larson had a fabulous revenge game. Solid. Yeah, he, yeah, good. he did good body work on the boards uh just impressive man plus he had a tally Am my cur- no yes he did have a tally didn't he mm-hmm. yep. i can't remember mm-hmm. um but the last eight minutes of that game was pretty stressful <laughs> just you know because they had full-on possession uh and they you know just had all the makings of oh boy here we go but we held on um and, and colin blackwell's game winner was just great. that was a <laughs> sweet
1: call. that was a pretty one
0: man you know, the funny thing about that goal is it was right in front of me and I watched him. It was just a full on effort. And he split the D reaching out with full extension, got possession, went and he maxed out possession to the crease and put it right upstairs. And he came curling around right on the glass, celebrating right in front of us. It's just a beauty. The
1: look on his face is priceless. Somebody got to get a photo of that.
0: It was <laughs> such a big time goal. Um, it just it was a great game to watch. So, you know, I was very pleased. And then, of course, the next game was just two days later. Man, that was as bad as they get, just like the abs game or the very or the first road game against the Flyers that blow out six to nothing. It was just bad. Um, they had a stretch in the second period where they were able to hold on when Ebbs got the goal. Uh, I, Crosby just kind of had an average game. He wasn't over the top. He did have a tally. But I was impressed with watching Gensel that night. He had a couple, and he's just a superstar in the league too. But that, you know, those first three goals in the first five, seven, uh, five minutes um, when we had the yard grew, I was like, oh, boy, here we go again, you know. So, which brings me to a point that we've talked about too about getting scored on early. I, I took the numbers down. We We have been scored on early 18 times versus 10. And it actually seems like more, but those are the
1: feel not, yeah, it feels but, like every almost every game, it doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it's just brutal.
1: You're like, all right, there's the first, you know, first five minutes to go. Okay, yeah. But uh, and it's just it's probably unfair to, to say it, that.
0: It is, but there's there's nothing worse than always coming fighting out of a hole. And I know how it is as a coach, so he's got to go through the same thing. And those other games, uh, that that Jets game, they felt like I felt like they were never in that one, you know.
1: It well, Hellebuck had, same- had a hell of a game. I mean, they, they their shot total wasn't bad. I don't have the number in front of me. It wasn't terrible, but yeah. I mean, you didn't feel like they were, you know, it didn't feel like a game they were going to win. It didn't seem as bad no. as the penguins game though, of course.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't break down the quality of the shot, but yeah, I mean, he was standing on, he was playing great goaltending, but I just felt like we were never in it that they Another one of those real tentative games,
1: which yeah, is, I agree. I
0: feel right about it. Um, and there was so many bad things to pick pick apart about that game. There was nothing really positive uh, to pick out of that game. And during this whole stretch, by the way, uh, power play was falling back again, which was strange because we were on a nice roll leading up to it. So it kind of just hung out there stagnant for a bit. And then, like you said, on the CBJ uh, game, <laughs> I got to tell you the truth. I, I watched that from home and I turned it off well really yes i did uh poor bad of me i i was frustrated how could you not be at the start of that that game right oh yeah no the first period
1: was was not pretty
0: no it wasn't so i i turned it off and i went over and listened to my bruins and i got happy (laughs) but the, the funny thing is is you know i have one of those bud goal lights and it goes off probably 20 to 40 seconds faster than in re- than real time watching the t- uh, tv but not in real time and every time i'd go off I go, oh god who's this is this the g- game i'm watching or is that the kraken so i'd go back and forth between the two games unfortunately uh, it was uh it was the bruins
1: game i was watching for the most part but well, both teams feel felt like lackluster to me in that game but at least you know at least the first half of it i mean i wasn't really impressed with columbus either and i was like eh, you know so no. uh, but bo- both of them kind of seemed to you know spring to life later
0: well, you know, it was nice to uh, about that CBJ game was uh, Geeky got on track again. With, yes, with he was overdue. Um, and so he's he, actually his last two games, even San Jose, was great. That's good for him because he has been dry. Uh, so it's nice to see that. Plus, his assist that he's been dishing out have been unbelievable talent, like power forward moves. I couldn't believe the one last night against San Jose that was a pure power forward move. It's funny because you know, that done to tie it up that was identical to the opening night goal that the very first goal scored in climate play it was identical was it? same oh yes look at it, you have it back. To look back. Yeah. even larson the, the dish off from larson was identical so that was kind of cool but I, I i'm bad i turned that game off and then of course i started seeing things on twitter and i thought oh boy i better get back there and yeah that was impressive to watch that third period for sure um and then you know what was it how many seconds did they score on that ot Pretty quick.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. it was within the a first minute, couple 27 minutes. or something. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, that, well, not first, but it was a little bit. in you're like, it was like such a because they are like, oh, my God, we're going to come back. Yeah. But it but gave overall, it gave them it gave them a little life at, that they really needed after those.
0: Previous totally. Games. So so on that homestand, they went one, two and one, which is, you know, acceptable, I suppose. Uh, but it was I was kind of expecting more after that nice uh, previous four games where they really looked good. So, but then last night really looked good. Taking off. Like, Who that. are
1: these guys last night? Yeah, the Ooh. San Jose game we were referring to.
0: Yeah, no, that was a solid sixty. They played great in every zone. I was thoroughly impressed, um, and of course, Dreger was just lights out. And he almost had that one stupid move though there at the end. I, I thought, what are you doing? Don't blow it, buddy.
1: But yeah, he- no, that that seemed like a, the Chris Dreger I I remember seeing from Florida <laughs> last year. I was like, that's the guy they picked up. Well, when you think about it, his last
0: three games have been that way, right? Yeah. It's just that those other two, or, and then I, you know, I had this thought in the back of my head: I go, geez, just don't. I don't want to hear about some article in the paper tomorrow about he's injured with something again because those other injuries came the day after a wins, big wins, so. Thankfully, uh, he's looking good. It's going to be a
1: battle for. Uh, yeah, I know, like Joey Decor has got on his left. Oh, for the good night. Okay, I got to get the flight tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> so I just. No, apparently, 30%. no. Chris is okay, from what we know.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's going to bring some good competition in the net. Uh, yeah. But it's going to be interesting from here out because uh, tonight, Grew is starting. Here shortly, and yes, yeah, so uh, as we
1: as we're recording this game, the Anaheim Ducks game in Anaheim is uh, about to start.
0: You know, he's got to stand tall because if he struggles a little bit, then uh, there's going to be some back and forth things going on here that uh, every every coach deals with at some point in, in the season. So it's a big test for grew tonight. See what he can do, and the team in front of him, and of course, Anaheim smoked us at home here, and uh, yeah,
1: and one of the surprise been- teams of the season so far, I'd say. Well,
0: Although they're softening up a little bit and we're kind of on a roll. So it could be a good battle tonight.
1: Gibson, the, well, Gibson's was, I don't know if it was scheduled tonight. All right. He's their, uh, their goalies hurt. So uh, uh, he won't be playing, but yeah, I mean, right. a lot of these teams that kind of come down to earth, but they've been, they've been, they've been quite good. They've been way better than I was expecting. So yeah. uh, could in and Anaheim, but you know, uh, the Kraken, you know, how many games have they won? That they were. Oh God! I just hope they don't get blown out. And they, you know, and I'm just thinking against Capitals and and Oilers and some of these teams that you know they really step up against these, you know, really top tough teams. You know, Panthers. You know, you know. It, so I just, you know, you never know. That's why they play the game. We're gonna see tonight. Um, mm-hmm. You know, well, let's let's talk a little bit about you know. We, 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 you know, and it's not just natural to kind of fall into the goalies and, and a couple of guys that have, uh, you know, really, really good goals or stints or whatever. and uh, But um, let's 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 step back and talk a little bit about uh, some of the other players, actually a player that you and I talk about between us, you know, uh, off, uh, off recordings uh, a lot. Uh, and it reminds me, uh, this kind of a segue about, uh, uh, an email or one of our emails from the deep this week. Uh, want to remind you all that we love getting to interact with our listeners and we particularly love, appreciate getting emails and social media messages from you all. So each episode we aim to read one or two of these comments and or questions. We've got a really great one, I think, uh, which is, um, just so happens to be a subject that Jim and I have been itching to chat about. So we'll jump on it here. Uh, It's from Nick Kleiner. Uh, Nick says, I have seen McCann, Jerry McCann, bounced around lines and positions. Why is the coaching staff not keeping him on a specific line and position? And I chuckled when I saw that. I was like, oh, this is a conversation I've had, like, at least a half dozen times with you, Jim. And, you know, I'll just say just as an intro to this. I've often said I mean there are a few guys I could I can point to Donato and and uh, and Don and Susie in my mind and 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 most especially Jerry McCann I feel sometimes aren't talked talked enough about that. I think I feel like they're a little underrated but McCann you know you and I it's it, he's just been so solid if there's one guy I could point to all season so far has 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 been has impressed me, and I feel like I feel good when he's on the ice as Jared McCann. So, how about Nick's question here, Jim? What what are your thoughts on it?
0: Well, Nick, I want you to know that that's a great question, and like Chris said, that's been our topic forever, going back to pre-camp almost for me, because um, I got in a debate once on, on a little internet forum about center position who was going to be the number one and everything and I said to somebody I said don't count out McCann in the number one slot and I got bombarded and laughed at and I said dude trust me this guy's all about chemistry and he's an all-around player the deal about McCann as best as I can tell is it, it, Haxtell with the injury rotation whether it's COVID or, or actually bona fide injuries is the most versatile player on the club. And Haxel can plug and play him anywhere, any line, anytime, which is a huge compliment. It drives me nutty He's because, in my opinion, he's a top six forward, whether you got him slotted at the center or the wing. It just doesn't matter. Uh, unfortunately, when you look at his minutes broken down throughout the season, and I, I looked at them, they're all pretty hanging out around the same spot. But just the last four games that we talked about, you know, Edmonton, Pittsburgh, uh, the Jets and Columbus, it was 14, 16, 13, 16. So McCann by rights deserves those 16 minutes and greater per game for quality, whether he's running center on one or center on two or hanging out on the wing. That's where he needs to be. Uh, it's hard to, it's hard to know what Haxel doing, but I'm just going to have to write it off to him trying to balance out the lines and Unfortunately for the fans and people like me, McCann's the one that gets plug and played. We can only look at it as a compliment to his playing ability. Uh, but I think he's starting to notice or everybody's it's gotten to the point where it's like, you know, it doesn't matter. Jared McCann deserves, you know, those kind of minutes, every game, however we can get them. Well, right
1: as, as we stand now, I, I'm glad you brought it. Cause I wanted to make sure, you know, it's, it's 1505 uh, is, 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 you know, typical playing time. And this guy, if I'm looking at the stats right, I, I didn't realize he, you know he's got the second most goals. I, he's like yeah, a second most all goal all guy on the third line. What the fuck? <laughs> I've been saying it all
0: along. He has the highest goals per sixty or point production per sixty on the club on the roster. He missed five games because of COVID. Eberle is the 22. most
1: at twelve, yeah. but he has eighteen minutes.
0: Yeah. And McCann has 22 games in his belt. Everybody else has 26 to 28. The numbers are there. They don't lie. His weakest asset is his draw play. If you're going to have him at center, he's hanging out at about 48%, but that's, it doesn't matter. He's a dual purpose guy. You know, he's a utility top six forward, straight up. His his shooting percentage is, is top notch. It's 22%. You won't find much higher than that. I think Eberle's up there too, but They've got him right now, as of the last game. But a lot of this has to do with what's going on with Gord and his COVID uh, protocol. McCann is up on that top line again, where he started those first two weeks of the season, then got shuffled around after that. Unfortunately, those first couple of weeks, everybody was playing, but Ebs was pretty quiet, if you recall. So, really, you know, it, you know, it. But Ebs was involved in the play; he just wasn't involved on the score sheet much. So, they're back to where it is, and that's good. So. The question is fantastic. We're all thinking this. I think Haxel has an overall plan, but I think it's about to change too. I think you're about to see a lot more, whether the team gets fully healthy or not. It's just because it's, he's too vital out there. He's too productive. Um, Even when he's not on the score sheet, as Allison said last night, she goes, you know, he was one of the most effective players last night with zero points. It was just, he was charging the play he's a shoot first mentality and he by the way he has a hell of a shot it really does and he he lets it go on the fly a lot he's moving so great question i love the guy he actually is my favorite player on the club to watch
1: yeah there you go there you go good stuff um nick also just kind of added a little thing about their their physical play that does sometimes doesn't seem like you know they're playing as you know as, as physical as, as they they have or could. Um, is is that a mis? Is, is that is that fair to say? I mean, I, I, it's inconsistent.
0: It's to fair be- to say yeah. inconsistent for sure. Yeah, you know that's such a, a a tough call because you know on paper, especially the blue line, looks pretty physical, right? Compared to the forwards, the forwards are generally a little smaller on our club than other cl- clubs. It seems like physicality you're right. It's huge. You, you tone setter in a lot of games right up front, but a lot of uh, game plan and strategy comes into, you know, your opponent and who you're playing. Some guys, some other clubs are, are not known to be as physical. So that doesn't mean you have to go physical, you know, on top of them. Uh, it's, it's a real weird call. It's a game feel, but yes, there are some games when we get out, hit bad or vice versa, but it doesn't always represent itself on the score sheet to what's going on. So, it, all that, a lot of that, comes down to line matching as well. Which, ideally, you know, you're when you're playing at home, you get the choice. But that, that's a hard thing to manage to, to make that line matching work out. So, a good question. It, but there's really no
1: set formula for that. It, it can come heavy and it can come light from night to night. So, one other thing. Speaking of managing things, and every team's having to do this to to some degree, uh, and it's even hitting some you know star players. This whole little COVID rise. I mean, Calgary has to, you know, cancel a few games. Uh, You've got, um, I mean, every team's getting hit with it. You know, Jordan, I mean, he came back, but he was gone and some other guys. um, Just feels, I I don't know, I don't know much, not much, you know, insight we can say. I mean, we're we're surprised and we can only do so much, but this is going to be a thing they're going to have to deal with all season, I guess. It's it's just like injuries plus, right? You know, I was listening to, and that also goes in line with the whole Olympic talk, right? That's going to be so, interesting to see. You think some people are wondering if they pull out of that. They're definitely pulling out. You think so? Yeah. I know. Good. So uh,
0: yeah, they are. De- if I will, the data, I 10 days ago, I said, just bag it, man.
1: Great. And I'll rearrange a schedule and have some more than three games. I in know. February. I know they won't
0: do that. but uh. No, but people have even talked about <laughs> that without thinking that these arenas have managed to make money. <laughs> so but no, it it just I don't see it happening because of the rules in place. I was listening to Elliot Friedman this morning, uh, NHL radio. You know the guy's he knows his stuff, obviously, and he started running down the whole rules between you know U, uh, North America and the sanctioning uh, Olympic Committee, and then China's rules and all this stuff. And there's so many heavy duty rules involved in this with uh, you know protocols. If something happens, if somebody you know contacts or trace or whatever the the delay in time just messes with your schedule all the way through the nhl season so it's just it does not make sense to even take a chance and you know now it's in the players union talk and they're already leaning towards man this ain't worth it i can just see it not happening and you know calgary you you mentioned the teams that are starting to make the news with everything it's every day it's it's getting bigger calgary's got a ton of guys on the protocol
1: right now well, and it's also, you know, we are say, my understanding is when somebody's on COVID protocol, it doesn't necessarily mean they have COVID. One of their family members might have COVID. Maybe they're the accountants who they had a meeting with the day before I had COVID. It can exactly. mean anything. So that's the other thing, too, I would caution. Oh, so-and-so has COVID. Well, not necessarily. The COVID protocols are pretty strict. Maybe a little too strict, one could argue. That's a whole other debate for another podcast. But you know, uh, that's a thing. You know, and we have to. And I don't mean to get too off t- topic on hockey, but I'm, you know, just like a, you know, a lot of us, you know, listening to, you know, COVID, uh, you know, experts and what. But not. And I think you know, it's in the Omicron variant. They're talking about how, well, it's 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 getting around pretty quickly, but it's all mild. And you know, I may get to a point where we, you know, it's, you know, hopefully they can treat. It. It's all about keeping people from dying and keeping people out of the hospital. But uh, you know, this this may have to be looked at as a flu bug or something later on if it's going to be mild. Because I mean, we're always gonna have to deal with this. I heard an interesting, uh, <laughs> interesting uh, point that somebody uh epidemiologist made that the Spanish flu from way back a hundred years ago, that that other pandemic we had. That still lives among us. The only difference is it's so weakened, but whatever it's cousin or whatever of the virus, however you want to explain it, it still exists. But that's just we got like well, I a common cold or I've got you know a little bit of a mild flu. That's what it's turned into. So I wonder. I'm not speaking as an expert on this at any means, but it's just wonder that you know I think we're all like because we're, we're it seems like the world is away from the lockdown thing ever again but we're gonna have this awkwardness to, to some degree, you know, having the masks and all this, but then you go into the arenas and, you know, everybody's very conscientious that, you know, in the concourse and maybe the first half or the first period, and then, oh, you got a beer, you got to have a hot dog or whatever, and here comes the mask down, and then it doesn't really seem to come back up. And I'm not the mask police. I'm not making, you know, a, a, any sort of judgments on people. It's just what I'm seeing. I was seeing that at baseball games but that was outdoors, and people like, okay, whatever. But this is indoors, and it's not just in Seattle I'm seeing it. I mean, they're everywhere, you know? And so I don't know. The inconsistency is so, uh, so you know, t- t- tough to move through, and that comes back full circle of, like, that inconsistency, you know, how the NHL deals with it, and, like, Canada having different rules than maybe U.S. is having about stuff. What are the Canadian teams? They'll have to go in a bubble. I mean, what are we going to do? So I don't know. That's just all conjecture on my part. I don't know, but it's, it's stuff that throws around my mind.
0: Yeah, it's it's a brutal up and down thing that we go through, isn't it? It's just when you think you're on the rise and then, oh boy, I heard him talking about the um, the NHL doctors are, are convening like tonight to discuss the next phase of uh, another step or arrangement in the protocol per teams. And it might have something to do with, uh, you know, across the border more than the Southern border. I don't know, but they're talking about it already. So I think they're probably also going to get a little bit of language in there about Olympic talk. So it's not gone.
1: That's for sure. Stay tuned, folks. Lots happening on that. All right. Just to to wrap up a little bit of this talk, we've got uh, previews of what to come. Uh, Our our next uh, recording will be uh, at the very end of the year. So we'll Talk a little. So there's a lot of games. They, they really crammed a lot in here. So might not get to talk about them all. But as we said on, the, on our recording day here, it's just shortly before their game against the Anaheim Ducks in Anaheim. They've got Edmonton coming up again. Toronto, a very strong Toronto team. Uh, Arizona uh, looking horrible. <laughs> made a crack and really get some, they deserve to get some revenge on that ugly game. They had with Arizona earlier in the year, uh, Calgary, again, uh, Vancouver, Philadelphia, and then finishing up the year at home against Calgary. Um, that's on December 30. And then I know on the, is it the first, I think you're going to the game, the first or second, they're playing Canucks. I don't have the schedule in front of me. Uh, it's, so,
0: it's the first, it's the first. Yeah, that's a, that's
1: quite a crammed list of games in a two week stretch. Wow. Yeah. Uh, anything we should look forward to you thinking of, or they need to do, or just, just thoughts on any of that stretch? No, I like. Where will McCann be in the lineup? So, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Look, obviously I like what I've seen the last couple games. games. I, and I, I believe this is the way we can play. It's very high intensity hockey. It takes 100% effort from every, every person, every line, every shift, which can be hard to maintain. You heard me all season long. I just want to strive for 500 hockey. I still think it's attainable. Um, Unfortunately, other clubs are also going to have to drop that have been playing a little bit over their head. Um, The whole Vancouver scene, Boudreaux, I'm not going nutty like them Canuckleheads are up north, but um, (laughs) I get it from their standpoint. But it's just a change of scenery. There's a lot of issues going on up there, and that's just part of the help they needed and it looks good but i don't see that carrying out forever uh which reminds me i'd down the road it'd be nice to get some uh kind of fan on here and i we know who that is and we'd have, like to have a nice perspective from him so yeah. maybe we can arrange that before the game or something i think that's a great
1: idea absolutely yeah. let's do it yeah. all right Before we get to our next segment with Lucilios, I wanna take a minute to tell you about our Patreon page. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for creators to get funding. Putting this podcast on takes a lot of time and finances for equipment. So things like sponsorship and Patreon funding helps us keep doing what we're doing. So for patrons, it's a great way for you all to join your favorite creators community, help with funding and even get some perks along the way. You can go to Patreon.com slash KrakenFanCast or KrakenFanCast.com slash Patreon and make your way to our Patreon page. We have some great perks that you all can get involved with starting at five bucks a month. There are three different tiers. So the more you donate to support, the more perks you get. We very much appreciate your uh, input on that. Uh, and also the you know, other perks, you know, notifications before anyone else on cra- Fancast merch opportunities. Uh, raw audio of interviews all kinds of stuff like that we'll put up there so uh, uh, please uh, consider that, we, we much appreciate it. Alright now it's time a regular segment with our buddy Luke Chelios and his Chelios chatter. Luke, take it away Well Chelios here, what a Christmas gift it was last
2: night Luke from Winnipeg gets to go to work at the Climate Pledge Arena to see the Kraken Play my first team, the Winnipeg Jets. I'm in awe. I'm almost speechless. I was able to meet Mark Scheifele. Paul Maurice, the coach, talked to him about my brother who taught his daughter high school in Winnipeg. Really genuine, nice little chat with Coach Maurice. Got to meet Blake Wheeler, looked at his eyes. He's huge, six foot five. I'm five seven. he looked about seven feet tall. I got to thank him and congratulate him on his teary night, 1,000 games in the NHL. He had his family with his three kids on the ice, and the Jets gave the three kids silver sticks just like their dad. It was just awesome. I was actually in tears. So I got to tell Blake, looking into his eyes, coming out of the dressing room with a private little chat, congratulations, Blake, on 1,000 games. So this is a shout-out to the Winnipeg Jets on a night... When I worked my Kraken Jets first game ever I tell you, when you move to Seattle And you're a huge hockey fan since 5 years old And you've been a Winnipeg Jets fan since Bobby Hall left Chicago for the WHA in 1972 You just don't give up on your hockey team Chris and Jim, you know about your Boston Bruins thing Well, I got it going with the Winnipeg Jets So fans... I'm a Jets and Kraken fan. Chelios got to meet Nick Ehlers. A little chat before the warm ups about his cousin Alex True, who's a great Kraken prospect down in Charlotte. His cousin is from Denmark as well. Alex True's six foot five. Nick Ehlers is about six feet tall. Quite different uh, hockey players completely. But it was a nice little chat before their soccer warm up welcoming Nikolai Ehlers and the Jets to Seattle. After the game, I was lucky enough to just be leaving the elevators from LL4 down in the tunnel area by the dressing rooms, and there was Chevy walking out with GM Ron Francis. I just was able to smile at them. They were having a deep conversation, possibly working on a trade, Uh, a trade to bring Pierre-Luc Dubois to Seattle for a couple draft picks. Anyways. Then along came Mark Scheifele, one of my favorite Jets. I got to say hi to him. Saw Kyle Connor, who had two goals to beat the Kraken last night, walking out. Then my new favorite Jet, Pierre-Luc Dubois, came through the doors, and I was right there to stop him and have a little chat with him and give him a hug, wish him Merry Christmas, and tell him, you are way better than Patrick Liney who basically was a one-for-one trade last year with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to be one of the stars of the league in the next 10 years. He's 23, huge hockey player, plays all areas of the game, and is starting to score goals with 13 goals already. So what a moment to uh, just have that moment with Pierre-Luc in the tunnels of the Climate Pledge Arena. Then got to see Nick Ehlers again. Wished him luck in Vancouver, and he said, we're going to beat him. So that was pretty cool. And then the highlight of my night was to see Connor Hellebuck and stop him and say, hey, Connor, I moved here from Winnipeg a year ago. I know you. You're awesome. Happy holidays. Congratulations on your little baby, Hugh. And it was a really cool moment to see. Two years ago, Vezina winner, top goalie in the NHL, Connor Hellebuck in the tunnels. What a great guy. And finally, Coach Paul Maurice came out, legendary. He's in the top wins and losses in the NHL. He's coached, I mean, he's top five in number of games coached in the NHL, I believe. Well, I stopped Paul and said, I'm Dave Chell's brother from Winnipeg. Moved here to Seattle for a lady Getting married next week to Ellie. Shout out to Ellie. And got to say, Dave enjoyed teaching your daughter, Sydney, high school in Winnipeg. Well, Coach Maurice, after a big win, stopped and was just, like, engaged and just looked me in the eye and said, say hi to Dave. Nice to meet you. And I wish them luck up in Vancouver, so... Chelios is flying high, living a hockey dream. Moved from Winnipeg to Seattle. It's all coming together. Being able to work at the Climate Pledge Arena around the dressing rooms. And uh, on the way out, even got to say goodnight to Jaden Schwartz, who wasn't looking too happy after the loss. But once again, keep your stick in the air and celebrate those cracking goals.
1: All right, thanks very much, Lute. Folks, please remember, if you haven't already done so, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at CastKraken. Otherwise, you can just go to KrakenFanCast on the other social media channels. Uh, please also uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can always catch Kraken Fancast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our own website, KrakenFanCast.com. We'll be uh, back in early January to uh, discuss more cracking game happenings, among other topics. Thanks very much to our producer, Jay Middleton. For Jim Cockrell, Nathan Gunderson, and Luke Chilius, we'd like to wish you all a very nice holiday season and a very prosperous and fun 2022. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, we say, go cracking. crack it.